Podcast Revolution Network presents The Way with Noah. Greetings. Uh, this is special edition of the Way with Noah. I am joined by a very awesome and talented writer um, and rising commentator. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to chop it up about a couple different things. Um, one of the things that really has been pressing and it's getting talked about, but not that much, not nearly as much, is the rampant voter suppression um that that was happening throughout 2016 and not just in relation in terms of the democratic primary itself but just across the board across the country as well as this newly created voter fraud commission um that president trump is is focusing on and i don't think that people really understand how how serious the creation of a commission to suss out alleged voter fraud which is which is insignificant in terms of the actual issues and threats to our democracy and electoral process while everyone is clamor is, 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 is screaming about russia 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 we actually have real threats to the to the sanctity of the system that supposedly is is, is, is the greatest democracy on earth so i am going to introduce my guest brian brian how are you doing this evening I'm great. I'm great. I'm just ready to have this discussion. It's such an important discussion that we need to have, and I, I just don't feel like it's getting enough coverage at all. Like you said, Russia is dominating headlines, and um, honestly, this what we're about to talk about tonight is, uh, in my opinion, and, and probably a lot of other people, too, who have been paying attention to this story, um, this is probably the greatest threat to our democracy than, than Russia. So... No, absolutely. absolutely. As we, as I mean, and, and this, this was actually really, really, this was one of the most underreported. I would argue this is one of the most underreported stories of the 2016 election cycle, right? Like it was known, right? It has been known that this was going to be a rough year electorally in terms of the access to the Definitely. box with, with the, with the, with the, with the evisceration of section five of the voting rights act. I believe that was in 2013. This was the first presidential election cycle in 50 years without voting rights protection. Um, and we mm -hmm. saw immediately laws being passed in Wisconsin, North Carolina, Texas. I mean, you know, we've had the cross check system happening in the South. I mean, in other places there, there's so many egregious issues. And the one thing that really struck me and again, you know, the issues in terms of voting access definitely came up and manifest itself primarily from Sanders supporters during the primary who had different glitches and issues and erasures and other stuff that happened that either prevented them from being able to vote or made it very difficult, right, for people to vote. But when you really looked at also what was happening in some places, right, you'd see an article here or there in the, in the nation maybe about you know, problems ahead of Wisconsin's primary in terms of voter ID laws. Or you'd see something in North Carolina. I think the, the, the first, you know, they had the lawsuit. I think the sometime right around, um, there were, there were several different lawsuits actually in North Carolina, you know, their redistricting plan was, was, was struck down. And then also, um, their voter ID law. Well, they actually, there were five parts of their voter law that was struck down by a, a circuit by an appellate court judge last year and you know part of our conversation from earlier today was the supreme court today denied cert so a lot of people are really excited because the supreme court did not take up the case so as of now the appellate court decision in this north carolina instance you know stands so the, i mean i think it was uh the voter id law provision the provision pertaining to um i think it was they shortened the number of days of early voting um, there, there were, there were right. five provisions and they found that all of them disproportionately um, impacted African-American and Latino voters. And one of the things I was interested in is even though they actually had some, the, like the North Carolina legislature actually had some evidence of, of presumed fraud, of alleged fraud 
in terms of absentee ballot voting, right? And they were saying that absentee ballot voting are disproportionately used by white voters, but yet they, they, that's the one type of voting that did not require the use of ID or any type of verification in that respect in the, under, you know, the laws that are passed in North Carolina. So when you really look at like what's motivating, you know, these, these legal, ch- these changes, these legislative changes, it's like you're, you're really trying to disenfranchise and keep a certain group of people from being able to exercise, you know, their constitutional rights. And we've seen this happen. We saw this happen in Alabama with the closure of the um, DMVs, right, where you, you, you have ID laws and you're closing the places where people get the IDs to be able to vote. So I know you had a lot on this topic, so I'll turn it over to you <laughs> since I've set, kind of set the yeah, No, no, you're, you're, you're definitely on point. You're definitely on point. And I mean, even I'll throw in Detroit. Um, I know, I believe it was in 2012, even though Obama won, of course, he won pretty handily, but uh, a lot of people forgot that um, there was a particular, I, I believe it was his choice, where there were about 80,000 uh, voters in that area, in that in that section of, of the city, um, that had about one polling station. So you had one station with only a handful of machines trying to service thousands upon thousands of, of voters. And, and you know, the documentary that I was going to mention in a second, um, The Best Democracy Money Combined, mm. which was uh, made by Greg Palash, you can find it on YouTube. Yes. Um, he talks about how they stood in, in the line for like hours, like multiple four or five hours. And um, by the time a lot of them did get up there to the front, they came into this, this you know, little area. Um, you know, you see on a lot of college campuses, you know, the uh, – the, the rooms, the uh, the classrooms with, like, the, the projector in the front and the, right. you know, the podium and the stage and everything. They went to that you know, room just like that, and um, they were given a bunch of uh, absentee ballots. They they weren't even, you know, and ballots, they, these weren't, like, ballots with, like, two, two questions. Like, they had to fill out, like, basically an equivalent to an application, you know, and, and filling out all of this stuff, and, and a lot of those votes just weren't counted. Um, and that happens a lot. I mean, that, that it's not just absentee ballots. It'll be provisional ballots that aren't counted and aren't included in the, the official final tally. Um, and then, too, you mentioned something earlier. It's, it's also about who's being targeted. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Because that, that a lot of the people who are behind a lot of these, these schemes, um, you have these people like Chris Kobach, for instance. And I was, I was tweeting about him more because it came up what really what happened was a few days ago, I came across um, a story that, that was on my timeline, and it was about uh, civil rights groups that were just enraged about mm-hmm. the fact that Colton was appointed to that, that commission that you mentioned earlier. Right. And I was thinking, to myself, Chris Kobach, Chris Kobach, where have I heard that name before? Then it took me like two seconds to figure it out. I was like, oh, yeah, that's the guy from the documentary. And I just did a quick search, and I came across another article from 2015 from the Southern Poverty Law, Law Center, mm-hmm. and they basically exposed him. He showed up at this, uh, I believe it was in June of 2015, um, a few months after he had been given a, because, you know, he used to be the Secretary of State in Kansas, and um, he was given the authority to prosecute cases of voter fraud. And a few months later, he was photographed, uh, giving a speech at a quote-unquote writer's workshop and uh, that was organized by a group called the Social Contact Press, TSCP, which, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, is a platform that promotes white supremacy. And you can go to their website and see all the stuff they write about. And um, But it's not just that he was speaking at a workshop set up by white right. supremacists. The, the, the group itself, the Social Contact Press, was founded by a, name, uh, uh, founded by a man named John Tanton. And now, of course, who is John Tanton? He's been associated in the past with Holocaust deniers, with with the KKK, and at the Southern Southern Poverty Law Center goes into this as well. John Tanton, again, the guy who founded the Social Contact Press, also founded a group called the Federation for Immigration Reform, known as FAIR. Now, FAIR is is FAIR has like a like a, a legal arm. And Chris Kobach is is a lawyer associated with that group. Now, fair. Even people might be asking, well, what's fair outside of you know the the name I just I just spelled out. Right. The purpose, according to them, and according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, the purpose of this group is to make sure European American majority maintain in the United States. 
And and they've been actually labeled a hate group. They've been, you know, called a hate group by the Southern, Southern Poverty Law Center since 2007. And like I said, Chris Kobach, the guy behind Crosscheck, was a lawyer associated with them for over a decade. Okay? So it, it's not just groups like FAIR. And, and, and if you also have groups like uh, the Council of Conservative Citizens, CCC, people might have heard about them uh, around the time when, you know, uh, that, that, you know, killer Dylan Roof, you know, did what he did in South Carolina. He was inspired by, by a lot of groups like FAIR and the CCC. And these groups routinely donate to Republican political campaigns. So this is how you get uh, very questionable, and that's putting it nicely, <laughs> very questionable uh, uh, policies. And I, I, I was about to say legislation. A lot of times this is not even actual laws that's being passed. Very questionable policies that get implemented. And, and we really have to take a look at, at, at who is pushing this stuff, where's, where's the money coming from, because you have these groups like FAIR that, that when you follow the money, you find, you know, they're linked to the Heritage Foundation and Crosscheck, which Chris Kobach created, um, was pumped up by the Heritage Foundation. You can go to their website and see, like, all of the – they're one of these groups that, um, along with Fox News – spread a lot of misinformation about voter fraud, which is what you were talking about, you know, at the beginning of the uh, the discussion, how, you know, there, there are really a minor number of cases that, that have actually been proven. Um, it's not something, it's not this big conspiracy that they try to make it out to be, but what they need is they need to gin up, they need to gin up the, the, the fear and the propaganda as a, as a sort of a backdoor excuse to implement these, these basically, uh, these, these biased, you know, racist policies. And something else about Chris Kobach before, yeah, I don't want to talk forever. You know, <laughs> this is a, a two-way discussion. Something else about him, people might have, he's kind of like a uh, a low-level politician. Uh, he's kind of been under under the radar most of his career. Um, he's the man behind HB 1070 in Arizona and a similar bill in Alabama, HB 56, which is even worse than HB 1070. And if people remember a few years ago when that was in the news, that was the, the anti-immigration bill, um, the, the bill that allowed a lot of, a lot of entities in Arizona to, just, uh, to discriminate against immigrants and, and make all sorts of uh, judgments about them based purely on how they look. Um, and so he's the guy who was behind that. So I, I think you look at his associations in the past, you know, with fair and and speaking at this this workshop, you know, you know, organized by a white supremacist group. You look at the bills he's been behind in the past, and you see a trend. You see a trend, and 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 in comes interstate cross check. You know, so I, I you know, if you you know you if you want to jump in, you know, if you have any questions, that's you know that's fine. But interstate cross check. It's basically a list of names. Oh, no, you are on a roll. Like, I'm just going to interject just to say, like, I hope y'all are listening to Brian right now because y'all getting some real serious, deep thought. And, and no, this is great because I really don't, I'm sorry to interject right there, but like, I don't really think that there really has been this robust conversation. People understand why these things are bad, but they don't necessarily like really, really know. So continue, continue, continue. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you. <laughs> So he created this system, and it's, again, if you watch the documentary, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, um, it's nearly three hours long. Greg Palast breaks all of this down in much more detail. But Interstate Crosscheck is basically his 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 baby. It's his, uh, and it's not even a good con. It's there's a part of the documentary where they show that uh, there's there's actually a much more sophisticated way. If if people wanted to steal votes, there's a much more sophisticated way they could do it. But, but Chris, you know, it goes to show you how easily, like, a lot of these uh, these problematic policies are implemented. Like, it doesn't even require, like, a good scam. You know, but, but interstate cross-check is basically, here's what it is. It's basically a list of names of voters, right, based on, uh, well, actually, hold on, let me backtrack. It's a list of names of voters shared by the participating states. Um, and everyone on this list is labeled a double voter. Everyone. And and you had about 28 Republican-controlled states, including a lot of swing states like North Carolina, Ohio, uh, Michigan. You had a lot of swing states where that were that you know partook in this, and um, 
everyone on this list, like I said, is labeled a double voter. There were 7.2 million people on this list. And, and this whole idea that, uh, you know, people of color just vote a bunch of times, that, that's actually a very old lie um, that goes back quite, quite a ways. And, and it shows you, again, that a lot of these lies are, are recycled. Like, they're not even using new, they're not even coming up with new scams. Like, they're using old scams, and they're just putting a new name on it. And then, basically, it's, here's how they did it. They use U.S. census data, okay, to identify last names, first and last names, uh, that are overrepresented in, in non-white communities. <laughs> if you have a last name, okay, and they, they break this, you know, Palas breaks this down in the documentary. If your last name is Washington, there's an 89% chance that, you know, you're a black person. Um, if your last name is Kim, K-I-M, there's a 94% chance that you're Asian. You know, if you're, you know, they targeted, you know, people with Islamic last names and, and Hispanic last names. And they use common first and last names to claim that people double voted, um, but totally ignored non-matching middle names. So you would have two first and last names of people who lived in different states, but the, the middle name was, you know, completely different. So obviously it's, it's not the same person. But this list, this cross-check list, claims that they are. They, they claim that this, this, I don't know, you can just, I'm going to make up a name. You can just say John Washington. They, they claim that John Washington lives in, in 15 different states and is the same person. So they, they're claiming one guy named John Washington went to 15 different states and voted 15 different times the same day, which is absolutely ridiculous. But this is, like I said, this is a bad scam, so it doesn't even need to make sense. All they needed was a rationale, and, and 28, like I said, 28 Republican-controlled states participated, and they all decided to just screw over voters and just not count. Because if you were labeled a double voter, then they could easily just disregard your, your vote, and they did this to a lot of people. But I'm going to continue, though. Now, check this out. Palas has actual receipts, right? He has, he has the actual list that he gained. Somehow, I guess he had some sort of informant or something or a whistleblower who gave him this information. Um, and, and he has numbers like this, for instance. You had in Pennsylvania 344,000 people that were labeled, that were on the cross checklist, and they were labeled double voters. In North Carolina, you had 589,000 people. Same thing. And in Michigan, 449,000. Just listen to like the sheer number of people who are, are, are being targeted here. And we've already said that they're not targeting people with names that, you know, predominantly white people have. They're, they're targeting specifically people of color, not just black people, but, you know, people people of color who vote overwhelmingly Democratic. Okay, so um, 449,000 in Michigan. Now, look at this. Listen to this. I, I didn't actually see this in the documentary. I actually went uh, to Wikipedia and I pulled up the, the voting totals myself. In North Carolina, Trump won. Trump beat Hillary Clinton by 173,000 votes, right? As I said a second ago, 589,000 people were targeted and were on the cost checklist. He beat Hillary Clinton by 173,000, and 589,000 people didn't have their, you know, their votes just didn't count. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to continue. In, in Pennsylvania, he beat Hillary Clinton by 44,000 votes. In Pennsylvania, 344,000 people were on the cross checklist. In Michigan, he beat Hillary Clinton by measly 10,000 votes. And like I said, in Michigan, 449,000 people were implicated and were on this cross checklist. So what we have here is we have we have physical proof. At least, well, I don't have it. I'm, I'm basing you know my statements off of what Greg Palas has, and he's an investigative reporter who's been looking into voter suppression tactics that I know of at least since about 2000. It might might have been earlier than that. But um, we, what we have here is we have all of these swing states that Trump won. Some of them Hillary Clinton won, but, but the states that he won specifically, okay, participated in this cross-check scheme. And, and had this scheme not been in place, again, assuming that 
these groups that vote overwhelmingly Democratic anyway would have had their votes counted. And, and you, you look at the, the number of people who were implicated on the list and the number of votes that Trump actually won by in these states, you can make the argument very strongly, in my opinion, that he would not have won these states had those votes been counted. So that's, yeah, people may think this is an alarmist statement to make. That's grounds to say that Trump might be an illegitimate president. And, and he wouldn't, I actually said this on Twitter, he wouldn't be the first Republican to, to get into office on, on very uh, sketchy terms. You, you look at uh, George Bush in 2000 and what happened in Florida and how he was given Florida because black votes weren't counted. You know, if, if, votes, if those votes get counted, George Bush doesn't become president of the United States. The last two Republican presidents were, were put into these positions because of voter suppression. And, and, and the fact that more people aren't talking about this and, and people are just – and I, look, I, I give people the benefit of the doubt because I didn't, I didn't always know about cross-check either. Um, I just kind of started looking at this maybe about a month or two ago, right. so it's even new to me. Um, and then I saw the documentary. I saw like half the documentary, you know, a few months ago. But, um, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily blaming people for not talking about it, but I think we have to get to a point where we we start taking voting suppression much more seriously because this is a major threat to our democracy. Like, like if you can't depend on votes to be counted, and we're talking about millions of people who are being labeled, you know, erroneously labeled double Absolutely. voters, that is the crisis of democracy. I don't know what else to call it. And, and people are talking about, people are talking about Trump as if he won fair and square. And he didn't. You know, and, and there was even, um, there was even a, 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 I don't want to say it was a report, there was an article that came in, I think Greg Glass retweeted it, because it came across my, uh, my, tw- my timeline, and it was showing the drop-off. It was, it was like this chart, and it showed the drop-off in the black vote in 2016. And it was talking, I forget, I can't think of the uh, the platform that put it out. It's, it's right on the tip of my tongue. But, um, you know, they were trying to make it seem like it was just like, oh, wow, what happened to all the black voters? It was like, no, it's... They, right, they, 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 no, 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 it's the Washington, the, was it the Washington Post or the Pew... There's been a couple of posts. No, 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 you're right. There's been a couple of posts recently that have talked about black voters just didn't show up, right? They, they, they continue to frame it that way, right? Like, like, like I saw something else recently that didn't necessarily say it, put it that way, but they basically like black turnout dropped. It's not simply that black turnout dropped, right? Um, and, and we talked about this, I think, briefly, that, that there was some, you know, anticipation that the enthusiasm the huge enthusiasm gap that we saw, because you had a huge increase in black voter turnout in 2008, you know, exactly. um, you know, President Obama, for, for whether, regardless of what people's issues over him, you got to admit, he ran a solid campaign, really got people active and engaged, really got people involved, inspired, hoped, sure, my president's black, my Lambo's blue. I mean, whatever it was that motivated people, people came out to vote. People came out to vote in 2012 again, Right. 2016, we did not necessarily see those things, but 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 so that's why I thought when you want when you when you relied when you started going on your, your your thread about this, I was like, yes, okay, somebody else is getting this too, because that's what seems so problematic for me that we're not having this conversation about why the like the real reasons why the vote didn't turn out the way people thought it was going to, right? The real reasons why black voters maybe didn't turn out in the way people, you know, were used to the past two cycles. I mean, we're going back to Jim Crow era type stuff here. When you, when you, I don't exactly. like, 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 like what you're talking about with the work from Greg Plass. I mean, it's, it's amazing work that he does. Um, but when we're talking about, you know, having someone, a national commission be in charge of voter fraud, can you imagine how, how, Excellent it would be if we had a national commission, an investigation, something done to look at voter integrity, election integrity, right? And and we're talking about voter integrity. We're talking about, you know, voter suppression, looking at and examining how voter suppression manifests itself in the 50 states. Looking at, and this is a point you had made earlier, going back to 2004, the very well-documented issues with voting machines themselves. Now, 
you know, there's some question about whether or not you can actually like hack the vote per se, or I don't know if it's anything like a, a you know, what first, second season is what well, second season of scandal where they change the cartridge to change all the votes. But <laughs> I don't know if it's quite like that, but there is actual like investigation and information out there. And I think some of it, um, in 2004 in Ohio, I believe it was, David Cobb, who was the Green Party uh, can- presidential candidate at the time, they did sue, and they, there was some stuff that came out of their suit as well about some of the systemic issues. I, I voted in Ohio in 2004, so I remember reports that machines had like X amount of number of votes for George Bush, but there weren't that many people at the polling site. We've heard these stories. We, we saw reports of machines um, being out of order or... or, or other issues with them in Detroit, right? Um, and we we saw during the primary process, polling locations in Brooklyn and other parts of New York were not open on time. Like these are things that frustrate the process. And if we actually really invested in having a robust electoral system, like from the ground mm-hmm. up, right? We would really be this great democracy that we proclaim to be, you know, across the country, across the world. Um, so that's why I was just really excited because this voting fraud commission, I mean, yeah, we can just focus on the voting fraud commission because it really is problematic and you laid out the issues, um, with that as very well, but like, that's only, that, that is like a nightmare scenario to what has already been a nightmare scenario for many that we've had issues across the board, whether it's been with, um, indigenous, our indigenous brothers and sisters and whether their tribal IDs would be eligible you know, to use, to be able to vote. I mean, there are so many issues, so many different levels across the board with this. And yes, the voting for our commission, when voting fraud is not even a real issue in our country, it's actually voter suppression and voter disenfranchisement. We, we haven't even talked about felony disenfranchisement, right? Like there's so right, many different right. layers to this. So yeah, I mean, this is yeah, right on point. It's, it's fake outrage. Voter fraud is, is right-wing fake outrage like they, I feel like honestly they needed to make sense of Obama like like they needed to make sense of how that happened so so they just, they kind of just uh like I said the Heritage Foundation has has and that you know that's Coke Coke brought back so we, you know we know where they get a lot of their money from and they pump a lot of uh they pump millions of dollars into spreading this misinformation to to, to their supporters um, and it gets their support because look, the Republicans are in a in a predicament, right? They're in a predicament where uh, fewer and fewer people are identifying with a with the Republican brand. Um, I think last time I saw my numbers may be off, but last time I saw was only somewhere in the low twenties of the number of people who actually identify as Republican. I believe it was from a Gallup a Gallup poll uh, survey. From a, maybe a couple years ago, something like that. But there aren't that many people who, who identify as Republican anymore. Um, demographics are shifting, and the demographics are not shifting in their favor, and they don't like that. Um, so that's where a lot of these these John Tanton groups come from, talking about like fair, talking about maintaining European majority and things like that. But they're 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 they're, they're really fearful, and and their fear is is. Indirectly or directly, depending on how you look at it, causing an erosion of our democracy. Because to maintain their dominance and to maintain their power, what do they need to do? They need to take away our rights. They need to to stifle and suppress black, brown, uh, Asian, you know, basically, you know, people of color in general. They need to suppress our rights. And, And that's the fight that we're in right now. We're in a situation where... We have a, a highly predatory administration in power right now that's going to do because they I, I get the impression that they know that this is this might be their best opportunity, especially seeing how unpopular Trump is. Um, and especially, you know, this is why this is something else. This is why we need to focus so heavily on, on voter suppression, because the next time a Democrat, ideally a progressive Democrat, becomes president. Ideally, again, with a, a congressional majority, there needs to be a new Voting Rights Act. We need to put a nip in, in the bud uh, of, of all of these these tactics, like some of the stuff that you were spelling out, you know, laying out a second ago. 
um, about all of the tactics that they use on the local, state, and federal level to suppress the vote. And, and the Democrats, unfortunately, partake in this, too. And, and that's, that's where I worry a lot about whether or not something like this is going to be done, because the next time we get a Democrat in office with a majority, that needs to happen, because we need to make sure something like cross-check cannot, cannot affect um, our elections the way it affected the 2016 election. I was telling you this on, uh, on Twitter. Honestly, you can make the argument that this might be one of the most uh, I'm not a you know election historian by any stretch of the imagination, but but certainly in my lifetime, based on the research that I've done, it's it's easily one of the most corrupt elections I've ever seen. Like I, I haven't seen an election with so many. There are like three different scandals in this election. You have you have the DNC scandal that happened in the primary. We all know you know what happened, what they did to Bernie Sanders. Then you have cross check. Of course, which is what we're talking about now, and then you know whether whether you believe it or not, or whether you believe it's overblown or, or it's being talked about too much, whatever the case may be, you have the Russia scandal. So you have you have you have three scandals in in one election. Two of them involve voter suppression, and and you know I I think uh, Greg Palas was on uh, AM Joy the other day, and and she's like the only one who's given him some mainstream attention. Uh, but mostly everybody else in, in the media, in the corporate media, is just completely ignoring this from what I've seen. Um, and if somebody has seen other reports about cross-check in the media, point them out to me. I, I, I just haven't seen it. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. And, and, I mean, we're going around to these other countries telling them about, you know, lecturing them about spreading democracy and, and all of this other stuff. And we barely have it at home. And I just, you know, I don't know what to say about it other than that. It, 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 it's just mind-boggling to me how, how this is going on and, and nobody's really talking about it. So I'm, I'm doing my part to spread the word, but um, my reach is only but, but so, so far. You know, I can only do but so much. Right, right. No, and I agree with you. I have not seen, I mean, you know, again, there are some stories here and there, but this has kind of been like, uh... A blip, and it really is. We looked at only in the sense that Trump is so bad. I want to go back to something that you were pointing out, though, about with with cross check, right? How there are like in some places hundreds of thousands of people who have been, you know, discarded from the rolls and are unable to vote. And when you look at the margins by which Trump won, had you had even half of those people, you know, reinstated. In several places, we might have seen something very different in terms of that map. And, you know, it it leaves one to wonder, why don't the Democrats really own voting rights? You know, like they're supposed to be the the big tent, the champion of the people party. You know, they'll, 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 you'll see. Right. Well, you'll see, you'll see candidates, you know, have something, you know, maybe they'll tweet something out or whatever, but who is really, because even with Senator Sanders during the primary process, right, it took a lot before his campaign started making sure they had legal observers and things like that. It just seems like, you know, the Democratic Party, progressive or not, is just not necessarily interested in really fighting to protect the vote. It just seems like people are stuck on the whole, we already fought that battle, you know, kind of lost in the Supreme Court. I mean, the South is Republican, so what can we do? But we have, you mean, ground was seated in Wisconsin. I mean, there's so many different places and so many different issues. And it kind of ties into, you know, back in 2010 when they had the mass, when when the House turned over and you started having all those different losses um, of Democratic seats and you really look at the way the redistricting gerrymandering started happening. Um, I talked with David Daly a while back, uh, about his book, um, Rat Fucked, um, looking at, you know, that whole power grab, basically how, how Republicans change the map. Um, and, and it just seemed, we, we were talking about how Democrats, even though Republicans are very like bold and they're very clear on what they're doing, 
right? Like they're almost like a bad, I've said this before. They're almost like a bad, like villain, like, like, like Boris and Natasha, like they'll tell you their whole plan except for they actually successfully execute, right? That's the only, the hitch with them is they're actually able to follow through and not even because they're like super smart or really good, but because like the Democrats don't put up a real meaningful effort against them. And, and, and with something yeah. like voting rights, like I remember when I first voted here in Georgia in 2014, um, I was in line with my dad, you know, and we, we were leaving because I've never voted anywhere where I was required to have ID before. So I had almost left without my wallet. My dad was like, you need your, he's like, don't you need your ID? And I was like, I was like, oh yeah, we live in the South now. So I went, I went back in. So we were in line, you know, and, and they're checking my ID and my card and I'm going through and I'm signing, like, you know, going through doing everything I'm supposed to do. And I felt so bad. The young man in front of me, I guess he had registered to vote. But he had not voted in a primary. This was a general election. Um, and he had been dropped. I don't know exactly all the, his details, but I know he was all like fired up and ready to vote. And he could not vote because he, he had been dropped from the rolls. And like, you know, he was a young guy and he just looked so dejected. And it's just like, I had never heard of that before. Like, I, yeah, like I never knew you could do that to people. And people wonder why so many people in the country, I think it's like nearly half the people in the country who are eligible to vote, but they don't vote. And, and I mean, this is why. Like, like you, voter suppression over the course of really honestly generations, I mean, that eventually baked into the population where, where a lot of people just give up. And they just say, well, what's the point? You know, why, why even bother if, if, you know, I have to jump through, you know, 10 hoops you know, just to, just to cast a ballot. Um, there's a major problem that I have with how the Democrats handle voting in, in general. Yeah, you know, I mean, you would think after the gutting of the Voting Rights Act in 2013 that that would have sort of lit a fire under their bonds. It doesn't seem to have done that, though. Um, and, I mean, the, the, a lot of the activism that's been going on around voting has 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 been grassroots. You know, it hasn't been right. top-down activism. It's been ground-up activism. Um, you know, people like you and me and, and, and uh, I think his name is like Reverend, uh, Reverend Barber. Uh, he's on TV all the time. He, he's big on uh, uh, voting rights and things like that. I mean, but it's, it's been, it's been people, you know, it, it hasn't been politicians. Like that's, at least not, not, not enough. And it hasn't been a, a major part of their platform. You have this unity tour, that 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 Democrats that you know uh, uh, Bernie Sanders and and the other Democrats are on right now and I, I I just don't know they 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 want the ability to suppress progressives right um, they, that's what I get that's the impression that I get they they want the that's why they don't really speak too hard on it they. Because they had their own form of voter suppression. We saw it already in 2016. So, you know, you have to, they have to make up their minds. Either they're going to protect the vote or they're not. You can't keep running the details of the 1965 Voting Rights Act and act like, well, that's done. We don't need to do anything anymore. Right. I mean, that was a long time ago. We see now that, that there are still major impediments made, you know, to voting, major. Yeah, I said on on Twitter, it, it's almost like you you know Jim Crow voting. I think is what you called it. It's it's like a it, it's become like this this whites only voting system where on paper you can go and you can cast a ballot. Nobody's actually going to physically tell you to go away. I mean, they might if, if your name is out on the voting rolls. That's another right. issue. But assuming, assuming you haven't been kicked off the rolls, you know, you can go there and you can vote, whether it's a provisional ballot, absentee ballot, or whatever the case may be. But whether or not that vote is actually being counted is, is the important question now. Because if you have a situation where they're targeting people of color and people, the votes of people of color aren't being counted, but the votes of white people are, that's, that's a problem. Like that's 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 not remotely democratic. That that's actually highly anti-democratic and it's unconstitutional. I don't see how somebody doesn't have Chris Kobach up on charges somewhere, like in a courtroom. Like I, I don't. This doesn't. But no, he's not though. He's he's sitting at the top of this leader. He's sitting on in uh this in a leadership position 
on this, you know, on this commission panel, this this voter this voter fraud panel. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I mean, something is amiss. Something is just not not being done properly. And and this is something that the Democrats have really two choices. They're either going to fix this problem or, or you know, next chance they get. Of course, they can't do much now. But they're either going to fix this problem the next chance they get or we're in a situation where right-wing, borderline fascist uh, politicians are going to maintain a certain level of dominance on the federal level for the foreseeable future, and that's absolutely terrifying. Because if something is reduced about cross-check, then you can only imagine that that whatever this panel decides to do, like whatever uh, policy decisions they they vote on or they decide on or however they are coming to this decision, um, if this in any way, shape, or form gets implemented, uh, we have serious problems. Like people are talking about 2018 and 2020, but and I was talking about this on Twitter too. Like you can talk all you want to about getting money out of politics, and that's mm-hmm. definitely a that's definitely something to fight for, and that's definitely something that should be fought for. But if you're in a situation where votes are not being counted, how are you going to get your people into office? Especially if they're if if you have a politician of color or you know just a, not even a politician of color, it could be a white politician, a white progressive running in a predominantly uh, minority or predominantly uh, black you know area or something like that. And if those votes are not being counted, and they all vote for that progressive, then the progressive is not going to win. And he was the one talking about money, getting money out of politics. So voting rights needs to take a, a much higher, uh, a, a much higher space on on people's people's you know um, on people's uh, a list of things that need to be fought for. Because right now I'm feeling like people are, are considering it like a number ten issue when it should really be like a number one or number two issue. Like, I don't know how you can have maintain democracy if people's votes are not being counted. Like, I, I don't know how that's democratic. I don't know how people well, spend that. Well, and we've that. seen that in really- plenty of cycles, too, right? We've seen issue with votes being, you know, like, it's it's like, I mean, where was it? Where was it? I mean, we've seen it. It was in Cal- It was in Arizona. I think it happened during the primary where, where they were announcing while people were still aligned. I think they did that to folks in California. I mean... You know, there's this notion that your votes count only if it matters for me to win. It really undermines the sanctity of what this whole system and process is allegedly about, right? I mean, we tell people that your vote matters, you know, one voice, one vote, get out there, you know, you can really make a difference. And yet, and still the people who claim, at least in terms of Democrats, the people who claim to to want to support and uphold those values only do so insofar as they need it to get elected um, because if they think they can win without it, they're not challenging. Like you brought up the situation earlier with Gore in 2000 in Florida. Um, there were black votes that there were black voters that were suppressed, that were disenfranchised in the process. And they Democrats didn't challenge. They didn't take the time strategically to, I mean, it, it didn't fit into their calculus. They didn't challenge those votes, right? They didn't, they didn't challenge those ballots and things like that. They went the route they went, and they came short. Yeah, and that's another problem I have. And, and apparently, uh, according to Pulaski, he, I guess he heard this from his own research or from his own investigations, Gore was silenced. Mm-hmm. Like, like somebody actually came to Gore and said, don't don't make an issue out of this. Like, like your your political career will be over if, if you really make an issue out of this. You look at Hillary Clinton. In 2016, she doesn't make an issue out of it. She doesn't. Uh, uh, she doesn't get on the recount bandwagon that Joe Stein was on, you know. And and you know, it really wasn't about recounting votes. It was about getting the votes that had been cast actually counted. It wasn't so much a recount. Um, and, but Hillary Clinton was nowhere to be seen. And I mean, you know, again, like what's what's up with these Democrats? What are they doing? That really actually did surprise me in, in, in the sense, I really felt like her not, not doing something just meant it was, it was because it wouldn't have changed anything necessarily for her, but could have, have possibly changed something. I mean, because there were, there were issues, you know, in Michigan, right? Like, like I mentioned the, 
the, the, the, what was it? The broken, um, the broken machines or whatever in, in Detroit. And there were other things, you know, there were problems in, in Pennsylvania. Like, it just seems like Democrats are only willing to do stuff again insofar as, and, and I won't say all, but, but my majority seem to only be doing, so right. long it's within their, their bounds of political comfort and not actually in service to the people in the system that they claim they want to represent and, 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 and protect basically. Right. Like, so it's, right. it is a really interesting conundrum. And I definitely do think that there needs to be more emphasis and attention to put on voting rights. You know, Ari Berman, Greg Palas, there, there are a few people that do, you know, some really good writing and reporting in this area, but it's just not high enough on the agenda of, of many of the larger mainstream groups. And, you know, I see today that um, Hillary Clinton has officially launched Onward Together, her new pack. Um, she's joining the resistance. <laughs> and and I would love to see, you know, we can, we can talk about whether or not we really, I, I actually don't believe, um, I'm not worried about her co-opting the progressive movement or ruining progress. I mean, she, whatever, do whatever you're going to do. Everybody starts an organization, I guess, right, when they lose an election. Um I guess John Kerry didn't, though. But anyway. But so I really <laughs> do think that, um, you know, she's donated money so far to Color Change. I think it's Emerge America, Swing Left, and Indivisible, maybe, were their initial pledges, I, I think. Um, it would be interesting to see if there is any, if anything goes into more of these traditional civil rights issues, such as voting rights. You know, and all this nonsense about identity politics and things like that, like, like, I think that there is a conversation to be had, but we cannot run away from the lingering issues and vestiges of the very detrimental racial injustices that have happened in this country, because that's precisely why we have the systemic affront to voting rights that we have via, exactly. via this presidency and, and enshrining voter fraud, which, 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 which is a myth. Like, it is so infinitesimal, like, it's so minute the number of cases that happen nationally. Um, it was so funny. I can't remember exactly where it was, but I remember like there was a case that came up some months ago and they were like, look, a case of voter fraud. Oops, this dude is a Trump supporter, right? Like they were finding <laughs> cases. Oh yeah, that's right. I think Republicans, I yeah. And so it's just like, I mean, like they really- You know what's funny? Yeah. Yeah, you know what's funny? Chris Kobach like recently did it. I think it was like a day or a day or two ago, he did some sort of interview on Fox News, and he was responding to um, some of the criticism about him being on this commission. Mm-hmm. And in, in, the, in the course of the interview, he said something like, um, yeah, it came to this, and I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing, of course, but he didn't actually say it like this. But he was saying, yeah, in Kansas, we found nine cases of voter fraud. And I'm thinking to myself, whoop de doo like nine cases? How many people vote? Uh, that's it. That's all you found, and, he, and you you're making this big deal. Voter fraud. Well, come on, not nine cases of voter fraud are going to flip a But state. it's just like when Republicans want to want to drug test, you know, welfare people who receive food stamps, right? Like they'll spend all this money, they'll waste all these resources, and you might find like one person. I mean, the results, or in some cases, they found they they haven't found anyone. Like, it's just like, it's, it's a waste of resources, but this is even worse because you're actually denying people access to the system, access to, 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 to fully utilizing their rights under the law. And I know it sounds all, I know I sound like childlike innocence and idealistic, but it really, really, if, if, if we as progressives, we as the left don't actually draw a line to say and say, okay. We actually can't, this is not okay. We actually have to stand for something, right? Like when we talk about, you know, fundamental constitutional rights, things that are actually, you know, um, endowed to us by law, by virtue of citizenry, you know, being able to vote and engage in the process, we can't be okay with some people not being able to fully access the process. And we can't just sit here and be like, well, half of you don't vote anyway, so why does it matter? It does matter. People feel disenfranchised from the system. People feel disengaged for plenty of reasons. And we really got to get out there and build and help rebuild relationships and trust. Because the the example you gave about the progressive candidate that's going to run, that's going to need these people to vote for them is exactly right. And we can't just show up six weeks before an election 
or whatever the window is and say, hey, this person has really great ideas. You don't know anything about them. You've never met them before. They don't know anything about you, but vote for them anyway. We just can't do that type of stuff anymore. We really got to shift and change the nature of the way we engage in the system. We organize and we do things. And I appreciate what you were saying. about yeah, making sure This is an important topic at the top, up right up there at the top. Uh, money in politics is very important. And as is making sure that voting rights, voter suppression is addressed. Right. Right. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with idealism. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, honestly, we can use a little bit more of that. Um, you know, you want to balance, of course, between idealism and realism. Um, you don't want to go, in my opinion, you don't want to go too hard in either direction. But, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely need some of that. I mean, we need to have, uh, we need to have ideals that, that we, you know, we're called purists if we, if we uh, are too idealistic, mm-hmm. according to some of these comedians out there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that, that has to be addressed. If the Democrats address it and they address it properly, and, and if we can get another Voting Rights Act passed, the Democrats are going to be in the driver's seat for, in my opinion, the next generation. I mean, in terms of like how the how the demographics are shifting in this country, the Democrats are going to be in a very good position. And then maybe we could eventually break off and actually form an actual leftist party. Um, and maybe some people have talked about how the Democratic, you know, the Republicans might just completely fall off a cliff and the Democrats might become the conservative party. But, you know, before that actually happens, mm-hmm. you know, we need to get a voting system up to par. Like we need to have a, a voting system that's comparable to what other uh, countries in, in the modern world actually have. You know, we cannot have a voting system where 7.2 million people are are erroneously labeled as double voters right. and, and potentially hearing your votes thrown out and, and not counted. You know, that's, you can't find that. I'm sure. Like I haven't, I don't know the details of every voting system in the world. Okay. But I'm sure you can look and, and you will probably be hard pressed to find that in most developed nations, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem. It's a serious problem. And we just have to do our best to get the word out. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I think I think what you're saying is absolutely right. I mean, we 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 have a problem. Like we have a real serious issue and, and whether we're talking about cross check, whether we're talking about felony disenfranchisement and restore it, restoration of the right to vote, whether we're talking about just even just, you know, actually investing in upgrading voting equipment at locations, right? Because because if you're in disproportionately black black Latino you know neighborhoods, you're more likely to have um, poorly staffed sites, you know, inadequate infor- uh, materials, um, not materials, a machinery, or or broken machinery, or whatever the case may be. I mean, it really, it really right. is the system is, is is really overburdened and disproportionately impacts you know poor and also black and Latino voters. Um, effectively making it difficult in many instances that's why early voting is so crucial early voting you know weekend voting is is crucial for a lot of people who work but at the same time i was pointing at someone like we actually have to take advantage of these things when they do become available because you know for republicans that's one of the things they try and use well no one goes on sundays anyway well no one uses <laughs> the, well very few people it doesn't make sense because very few people we actually got to take advantage of stuff if, if it's actually out there so i mean there's so many different layers but we definitely have to continue to keep having this conversation and, and you know, sharing, you know, information from Greg Palast and others. But we, we, we really need to do, of course, you know, resist, you know, Kobach and, and what's coming down the line with this voter fraud commission nonsense. But we really need to demand that progressive groups, that Democrats, that these folks on the so-called, you know, what left of right, left of center, whatever the framing, because you know we keep people keep fighting over what the right terminology is. But honestly, it doesn't matter. We just those people who claim that they're about rights, about protecting people, they need to make sure that voting rights, vote, dealing with voter suppression, you know, suing on on behalf of residents against these unjust, unconstitutional laws, that has to be top priority. I mean, making sure people are aware. I mean, voter education, right? We need people who know 
what the rules and regulations are where they live and how to get what they need to get done. I mean, how many students like in North Carolina, for example, knew that they could vote or there was an issue, right, with students in North Carolina, whether or not they could vote on campus and whether they could vote with their ID. I know here in Georgia, students can vote with their um, college ID. I know this because my sister had to use her college ID when we voted and they actually almost gave her a provisional ballot she got hot. She got upset. She stepped out of line. She pulled it up on her phone and showed it to the ladies at the thing. But we really do need to work on that to make sure that, that rights are being addressed and enforced properly. Yeah, and in some states, I think Texas is one of them, you can use a gun permit or gun a gun license, but you can't use a student in the booth. So that, that tells you... That tells you everything you need to know right there about who's getting targeted. Mm-hmm. And something else, another little thing I saw in the documentary, um, African-American voters, black voters, are 900% more likely to have their votes thrown out. 900%. Like, so that's not something that's happening by accident. Like, like that's, that's something that's, that's a systemic issue that needs to be addressed. Like, for, for the sake of how democracy it needs to be addressed. You know, people talk about, you know, Trump being a fascist and all this other stuff. You know, if, if you want to stop someone like him from coming into power in the future, you have to make sure that the right to vote is protected and, and that we put a lid on these on these attempts to stifle the vote. Or like all this stuff about having one uh, polling station open in a city of, of 100,000, 80, 100,000 people, that, ha- that, that, that can't go on. So, like, that has to stop. And, and if that requires some sort of legislation on the federal level, then so be it. I, I, you know, but that's, that's, that's my thoughts. Like, it's, it's, it's getting me a little heated because uh, I, I live in North Carolina. That's where I'm at right now. And um, since I really started looking into this, now, of course, I'm, I'm in just full transparency. Now, I voted for Hillary Clinton in the North Carolina uh, North Carolina election. I was, you know, at, my, at the time I was you know, thinking about voting for Jill Stein, but like the last week before the election, I ended up voting for Hillary because I was in the swing state. And now I'm thinking to myself, um, was my vote counted? Was I in that 589,000? Was I on cross check? You know? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I've been going to the U.S. Census site, so I don't know how many black people have the last name of Lewis. I don't know if that's like a, a 91%, you know, African-American last name or something like that. I know there are a lot of black people with the last name of Lewis, but right. I don't know the exact thing of this. I, I didn't go to the census site. But I, I'm wondering, like, like if if I'm on that list, which I don't know, it's possible. My vote didn't count. My mother, she voted. My last right. name is Smith. You know, it's possible her vote didn't count. You know, it's it's, it, it, it's just really aggravating me. But yeah, there's nothing well, I can really do. About I appreciate it. you 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 sharing that little tidbit. Um, you know, I'm in Georgia, so I I live in a quote unquote red state, and all this like people kept saying like, oh, you know, Georgia might go blue. I'm like, y'all y'all need to stop. I don't know what you people are smoking. Georgia might be going <laughs> blue. Maybe you know, and it's gonna go that way. Well, we will see, you know, but, but, um, no, I did go ahead and vote for Jill Stein, um, here because one, I knew it wasn't going to be close Two, um, you know, living in Atlanta, she's going to take Atlanta, but, 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 but I really did think that, okay, so you know what? Everyone keeps always saying that, you know, you don't support the greens. You don't support the greens. You got to yes or don't viability like chicken before the egg, right? People say, okay, we'll support you if you're viable. They say, we can't be viable. People don't support us and vote so we can get to the 5%. I'm like, all right, you know what, bet. I'll give you my vote to help you get to the 5%. I, I'll, I'll invest in your 5% dream. You know, just as I said, Hillary Clinton and Democrats didn't really do anything to turn Georgia blue. You know, Georgia Greens did not necessarily, whether they were under-resourced, I'm not really sure what the issues were, but did not necessarily put forth what was necessary, right, to really get to that threshold here in the state. Um, so we yeah. do have a problem with the way, you know, parties, even the quote unquote more progressive or good ones are investing in these mechanisms to help, uh, 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 
you know, amplify the messaging or where they need to get to. Um, and now, and now, and I've been honest, you know, a lot of folks, you know, are very, it's very polarizing right now still. Um, but a lot of folks are like, Oh my God, I can't believe you thought Nancy Pelosi was a good person or, Oh my God, I can't believe you voted for Hillary Clinton. I mean, I believe that everyone has to deal with the, the different factors that exist, uh, that, that, that inform how they, what they choose to do when they go inside the ballot box. I'm very clear about what, what right. is more mine. But if I have a girlfriend who I remember when, uh, sometime after the convention, she called me up, she's in Philadelphia. She said, girl, I guess I'm with her. I said, no, why? But we talked about it. Right? I didn't see and it's, I didn't it's a baby. Well, well, I mean, you know, she, she, cause it was a hashtag, right? Kind of dis- dejected <laughs> black women had a hashtag like, girl, I guess I'm with her. You know what I'm saying? And so like, so she, so she said that to me, you know, kind of to say going to be what her thought process was. And, and I understood, I did not necessarily agree, but I, if I had been back in Ohio, you know, if I was back in the Midwest, I might've found myself, you know, struggling and holding my nose too. I really don't know, but I'm not going to sit here and blast mm-hmm. people who made that decision. You know, I do know from other interactions I had that um, if I had had some of the interactions I had, I probably wouldn't have. I know I definitely wouldn't have volunteered for her. But like, you know, when you're 30 days out and her campaign wants to reach out to like progressive social media, digital folks. And it's like, yeah, you know, because we're all in this together. We are. Y'all just spent the last few months trying to call, yeah. uh, uh, recruit Republicans and trying to distance yourself from us. And now so we in this together. Yeah. And now we friends. So it's 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 really huh yeah. No, I was about to say her whole campaign was was problematic problematic on a number of levels. Like, yeah. I mean, I voted for her purely um, because I thought it was a strategic thing to do. Like, if I was in a deep blue state or a deep red state like you, yeah, I, I definitely would have voted third party. Like, there, there would have been no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's purely because, you know, North Carolina, I know North Carolina went blue for Obama in 2008. And then, like I said, a, a week before the election, I was going to vote for Joe Stein. And then that Comey, not, not Comey, that Comey letter dropped. I was like, oh, really? Like, they're, they're really, they're really trying to, trying to tip the scales here. And then that, that kind of, that kind of made me feel some type of way. You know, so that, that kind of pushed me in her direction, like, but I like I, I never would have gone as far as volunteering. I just I just didn't honestly. I, I just didn't really believe in her like that. Like it's I, I have a lot of problems with with her her uh, her positions on on mass incarceration in the past. There was just a lot of a lot of problems that I had with her. But honestly, my the person I wanted to win was Bernie Sanders originally. I voted for Bernie Sanders in the primary in North Carolina. He should have been the Democratic nominee. But we know how that went down. If he was the Democratic nominee, he would be president of the. Well, I don't know with crosscheck. There's no way of knowing. But but like assuming crosscheck, you know, you know, wouldn't be in place. Um, he would be the president of the United States right now. Like so, it's it's uh, we we came close. I'll put it like that. We came very close to to getting what we wanted. But you see how far they had to go to make sure the will of the voters didn't uh didn't 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 stand they they really like i said three at least two scandals scandals involving vote involving voter suppression so hopefully we can change it in the future but i don't know right now i put that at about 50 <laughs> no but i mean i think i think we, we got to play the long game right we've had we've we've talked about this before so if you're still hanging in there listening Brian and I actually did a really brilliant, really awesome stream. This is when I first started doing my own pre-recordings and I messed up and I didn't have his sound. So we had this great conversation. I was so excited. And then I went back to to put it up and I had no sound from Brian. Um, It was the way I had the microphone and my headphones and stuff set up with the software. It was just, I, I goofed. So I'm so happy and I'm sharing that because, you know, you guys are all my favorite friends and people out there. But I'm so happy that we're actually getting to have this conversation. You guys get to hear Brian's very thoughtful analysis, very engaging discussion. This is really, um, honestly, one of my favorite conversations that I've had since I started doing this. And Brian, I know already if we make time again, we'll definitely come back and chop it up. But you're right. We, we are playing. This is the long game. 
we have to have we have to have we have to keep thinking about that right like we have this bigger picture this longer game this longer strategy at stake um it's not going to change overnight hopefully you know we can we can make some inroads to turn some things around going into 2018 going into 2020 but it's going to take even if we don't want to support you know certain candidates and stuff we're still going to have to find a way to push people to work on issues because they're still sitting in those seats they're still in those points of decision making um, and we need them to make decisions that are in the best interest of the people and not just themselves. So, Brian, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really appreciate um, chatting with you. I really um, like having this discussion. Um, I, I, I just love talking about politics. I love writing about politics. Um, anybody that's interested, you know, you can find a lot of my writings on my own, you know, personal blog, uh, blackandintellectual.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at underscore black intellect and um, let's, let's just communicate, you know, let's just con- continue this discussion and have more discussions like this in the future because that's how changes will be made. It, it's going to, it's going to come from us. It's not going to come from a bunch of mainstream corporate politicians. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we have to start now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been another edition of the way of Noah. We've been discussing uh, voter integrity and all things involved. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. Talk to you soon. Peace. Uh, Where is my app?